The, um, the whole issue of New World is, is very much a Bible theme, which is expressed in a lot of different ways, but at the core of it, there's all this concept of a new world. Now, some people have got that so far in the future that they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And it seems that the only way to change, according to that principle, is to die. If you die, you get a new world. But you see, the resurrection of Jesus was about the new world comes to you in your world to renew your world now. Now, we may not be able to change the globe, the face of the planet, but I do know that this power that has been given us can change your world and my world in the here and in the now. Now, some of you may find the Bible a difficult book. I don't particularly find it difficult, but that's probably because I've been raised with it and reared with it and I'm very familiar with it. Um, but there are some beginnings in, in the Bible that actually take a hold of this theme and thrust this theme right from the very beginning. Now, I want you to bear in mind that when books like the book of Genesis were written, which was the first book in the Bible, nobody was writing anything. So we read it as written text, but back then nobody could write anything or was writing anything because it wasn't the done thing. It was the ancient world. And so what happened is that things were communicated orally. And through that oral communication, storytelling was extremely important. And so much of that early part of the Bible particularly is rich in storytelling. But the wonderful thing is there's always more to the story than you think is in the story. And uh, one of those stories I want to bring you to tonight, just for a few minutes, I have a couple of shots at this is there's a very significant character in, in the Bible called Abraham, who had his name changed to Abraham, and he's very significant. But something happened to this guy one wonderful day because he had received a promise about goodness in his life from God. Now, I want you to know that God always starts in our life with the promise of goodness. In, in one of the old songs that many of you, how many of you are familiar with the song Amazing Grace? The guy who wrote that wrote a verse that we don't often sing in our circles. It says, the Lord has promised good to me. And if you read the Bible from the beginning, it's not this horrendous book by this horrendous God who's trying to beat you into line because he's viciously cruel and just wants people to be subservient to him. But it talks about someone who blesses with goodness right from the very beginning. So the question is, is that goodness real? Can I rely on that goodness? Can I expect that goodness? And so this story of Abraham was this. Abraham was questioning that goodness, the promise that had come to him. So God, the divine, spoke to him and he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to take a heifer, a goat. Where'd you get a heifer and a goat today? They were common to him. And a couple of birds. Anyway, the issue is, for the sake of argument, he had to take several animals and he knew immediately what he was supposed to do with them. Now the problem is when you translate this into our modern thinking and our modern world, it sounds bloodthirsty, it sounds gory, it sounds warmongering, it sounds horrible, but back then it wasn't horrible and I'm going to explain why. What Abraham had to do was take the carcasses of those animals and cut them down the middle this way, right? Top to toe. Cut them down the middle so you had two halves of a carcass. Now, how many of you know that's going to produce a lot of blood? It's going to be really messy. 
But you see, back then it was important because to those people, it wasn't about destroying animals or killing animals or being gory or liking gruesome things. They believed that blood really meant something and that the life was in the blood. So the highest currency of promise was the currency of blood. Do you now understand why the cross figures in the story of the beautiful gospel? Because blood means something about the intent. And so he was told to do this. So he divided these carcasses and he knew what to do because it was a common practice in that culture. And he was to separate the carcasses, one half either side, one half either side, separate them. And of course, it would create a tunnel up the middle and that tunnel would be covered in blood. Nasty, horrible, stinky, vile. But the idea was that you would walk with the person who you were making a promise with through this blood, and in doing that, you were saying, by my life, by the very essence of my existence, by everything that I am, I promise to keep this covenant, this agreement with you today. So here's Abraham and here's God. But this is what God does. He did something very wonderful. When the time came for the two of them to walk through this blood to make a promise to each other, God puts Abraham to sleep. And Abraham's deep, 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 fast asleep. And I'll tell you why he was when I come back on. Fast asleep. And while he's fast asleep, God walks through all of this blood between these divided animals because something extremely special and extremely important was happening that day that would guarantee goodness in the life of Abraham. So now Danny's got a song. All right, I'm sure that... uh Many of you could use a prayer and would like to be part of a prayer. And before we finish tonight, we will definitely give you that opportunity. Remember where we were in our story? We got the carcasses of the animals. We've got this channel of blood. And we've got Abraham and God. And God desperately wants to cement this promise of good, not just in Abraham's life, but for generations to come. And one of the things about this covenant, it was known as an eternal covenant, which meant that once it was made, it could never and would never be broken. However, God put Abraham to sleep before walking through the carcasses in the blood. Now you say, well, why did he do that? There are two reasons. Number one, because the weak link in this covenant, this promise, this agreement, this arrangement was not God, it was Abraham. And it was almost guaranteed that if Abraham had to be the initiator of this promise becoming reality, that it would fail. So God in his goodness puts Abraham to sleep. So Abraham is not expected to make any promises to God. But God makes all the promises, not even to Abraham, but to himself. So God himself walks through this blood and promises to himself that the blessing that he said would be Abraham's, Abraham can have that simply by receiving it because there's no way he can mess it up because if you didn't make something, you can't break something. If you didn't make a promise, you can't break a promise. If you didn't make 
make a covenant, you can't break a covenant. So God took the weak link out of the equation. Now the problem is far too much emphasis in the Christian gospel has been placed upon your responsibility towards God. How you live, what you do, how you behave. When God in Christ at the cross was, was, was reproducing what happened with Abraham, the body of Jesus was broken. There was blood and God was passing through the body of Jesus, making a promise to himself that, that you would become the beneficiary of something that you could not break because you did not make. The Christian gospel is not about how you manage to please God enough to be happy with you. It's about the fact God started off pleased with you. He's never not been pleased with you. He's made a promise that he took all the responsibility for and you don't have to work for it, strive for it. It's not about God looking over your shoulder and judging you under some kind of vicious law that says if you don't tick these boxes and reach this standard, you will never be good enough. God says it's not about you being good enough, it's about me being good enough. And he if I'm good enough, I'm good enough for the both of us. And if you live in my goodness, my goodness will fill your life. My goodness will fill your heart. My goodness will fill your days. And all you have to do is live in it. I'm glad that Abraham woke up after all that had been done to the awareness that he had become a beneficiary of something that would last forever that God had promised to himself. Wake up. And understand you are a beneficiary of a promise that God made to himself on your behalf in his goodness so that his goodness will change your life. I want you to step into that grace today. This is what the Bible calls the new covenant. You only have a new covenant if there was an old covenant. The old covenant was all about you keeping rules and obeying the law and trying to please God. The new covenant is about God's gift of life that you receive. You don't achieve, you receive and it's there for you tonight. So I want to free you from guilt and condemnation and shame and inadequacy, all those things you can give away today and receive that grace that then shows up of us understanding what the forgiveness of God looks like. Awesome. All right, guess what's coming real soon? Life zone. But before that, how many of you got one of these tonight? Put your hand up if you got one of these tonight. How many of you said, oh no, please, I'm not worthy? <laughs> How many of you said, I'm too wicked? How many of you said, oh, I'm too ashamed? How many of you just took it? Because you didn't think there was any reason why you shouldn't take it because you realized it was a gift, a free gift, at no cost to you, and so you had no problem receiving it. I want you to understand this gift of life that comes from God is just like that little gift that we gave to you. But the problem is when the value of the gift goes up, you start wondering whether you're worthy, whether you deserve it, whether you should take it. But God's gift of life to you he treats the same as this little gift of stuff that we gave to you. And he's just looking for you to take it and say thank you. 
And when you take it and say thank you, guess who it belongs to? It belongs to you. We're not going to come round and take this off you. We also haven't got video surveillance to make sure that you live right this week. And if you don't, we're going to demand the gift back. It's a gift. It belongs to you. And you live in the joy of that gift. This covenant that God made with us, this new covenant, is a free gift from God. His life is a free gift. And I want you tonight just to receive it and accept it like you did this little gift because he made you worthy to receive it. He thinks you're worth it and he wants you to have it. So receive it and live in it. Let's have a little prayer, shall we? Father, for every life in here today, young, old, in the middle, those who think they're good, those who think they're bad, those who think they're worthy, those who think they're unworthy, I pray that your gift of grace and love will touch every life tonight, that every person will feel your loving arms around them, you enfolding them, and know that your goodness is what matters, not our goodness, and that we can leave here tonight living in your goodness and experiencing your goodness because it's your free gift to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you've enjoyed it tonight, and I think we're about there, right?